Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Luke 23, 32 is, is one of the places we'll be today. If you want to go ahead and turn there, let me start by talking about this uh, saying that has developed in America and a saying that has developed particularly in the South. It usually is, if not always, is said by a man, although I'm sure a woman has said it, I've just never heard it. Um, but I'm sure it's happened along the way. Uh, the saying is usually said in a bar, but it isn't limited to a bar. You may have heard it in a backyard, or you may have heard it in the woods. You may, you'll often hear it any place where there is high-powered machinery present, like motorcycles and chainsaws and lawnmowers and cars. Um, you will also hear it where you find heights and water and trees and roofs and pools. Uh, a guy will be standing there, and he, maybe he has a, a, a beer in his hand uh, or something like that, and, and a discussion ensues. And, and someone does some feat of greatness, at which point the guy looks at his friend and says three words, and they are? Hold my beer. Hold my beer. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> a substitute phrase, because not, you know, we're, we're, not all of us are doing that, and a substitute phrase might be, hey, y'all, watch this. Or as we say it in the South, hey, y'all, watch this. And when this happens, you are likely to see one of, the three, one of the following things. You're likely to see furniture broken. You're likely to see limbs broken. And uh, you're likely to see someone embarrassed in a big, big way. So whenever you hear the words, hold my beer or watch this or something kind of like that, run the other direction as fast as you can because you want to be as far away from whatever's going to happen next as you can get because you don't know what that fallout's going to be for you. Um, just run, get away from it because those are our famous last words. Now, that's a fun way to look at famous last words. What we're doing in this series is not so much fun. It's a, it's a sobering thing to look at, the, at, at the, the famous last words of Christ because they're so far away from the you know, the silliness and the nonsense of what I just described, um, when you get to his famous last words, they are, like, riveting. Like, you, you, you hear those, and you think, oh, my goodness. I mean, he's, he's really got some solid stuff to say, and I don't want to run the other way. I want to run to that. I, wanna, I need to embrace that stuff. I don't want to run away from it. And so, um, you know, they, they march Jesus up a hill. They pinned him to a cross, a criminal on either side of him. And he hangs there, and he's looking out on his accusers, and he sees these Roman soldiers who have pinned him to this cross. He sees the, the scribes and the Pharisees who had a lot to do with, with putting him where he is. He, he sees these people who are responsible for what he's going through in the moment, and Jesus says these words. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Now, I don't know about you. But those are not the first words I'm going to say if you pin me to a cross and all the people who are responsible for it are beneath me there and I'm, I'm looking over them in all of my agony and all of my pain. I'm not going to say something like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's not the first thing that comes to my mind. More that comes to my mind is, Lord, vengeance. This isn't right. This isn't fair. Make them pay. Take them out. Kill them. I, God, I need justice. That's what I need. Those are the thoughts that are going through my head if I'm Jesus that day and I'm hanging on a cross. That's not what Jesus said. And as we're going to look at this today, it really applies to all of us because we all have someone 
that we need to forgive. Now, even as I've just said that phrase, a name has popped into your mind. A picture, a face, a person has popped into your mind. And you're like, oh, no, Brett, no, you don't. I, I didn't come to church this morning to think about them. I didn't come to church this morning to have to go through this again. If I'd known this is what you're going to talk about, I'd have just stayed in bed. Because I don't, I, Brett, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to forgive them. I know. Everybody has someone with whom we share an offense, a place where we have a tendency to hold a grudge. It could be a spouse, and you've had an argument, and you just can't put it to rest, and some things have been said, and maybe for weeks or even months, things have not been right between you, and you're having a hard time letting it go. You're having a hard time forgiving. Maybe something is going on at work, and you're holding a grudge, and you just cannot let it go. Who is it today? Who, who is the person or people that you need to forgive? All of us, every single one of us needs to receive God's forgiveness, but as we read in Scripture, we also need to for, the forgiveness, we, we need to offer forgiveness to other people. The words that Jesus spoke on the cross were more than just words, they were a prophecy. In fact, 700 years previous, Isaiah wrote these words, he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. To which you're tempted to maybe ask, Brett, what intercession, what is that? What does that mean? Well, intercession is just a fancy word for prayer. And Jesus is praying, and he's saying, Father, forgive them. They, they don't know what they're doing. Some of you are here this morning, and, and you're praying for somebody, and you think that they're never going to come to church. You think... They're so far from coming to church, you're tempted to give up on praying for them. You need to know that our elders pray for lost people every time we come together. We're praying for lost people. And there are people on that list that, that you would say, man, they're never coming to Jesus. But I've seen names on that list that, were, that we would have said something like that about them, and they have come to Jesus. We've literally prayed them off the list. So you, you can't give up on people. You, you just can't give up on them. Some of you are going through things with somebody that you love and you're frustrated and they just don't seem to be getting it and you're, you're wondering are they ever going to get it and you're tempted to give up on them don't give up on them the words that jesus prayed were more than just a prayer they were more than just a prophecy these are words that jesus prayed that changed everything for us when it comes to forgiveness you see before jesus when you were offended the the likely response that you had was you owe me and justice is mine before Jesus came along, that's the way they looked at this. There was no talking about forgiveness. That, that's something that Jesus introduced. Nobody talked like that. See, here's what they had. They had the law, and what the law said was, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That, that's, that was the law. That, that, that's what everybody expected to happen. We've all, we've all heard that. Hey, man, if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you the same amount. I know people still to this day who live their life like that. And, and often, 2,000 years later, in our world, what we have is we have the same response. If you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you the same amount. If you take from me, I'm going to take from you. If you hit me, I'm going to hit you. Someone hurts us, we get ticked off, we pin our ears back, we want revenge, we want them to pay, we want to get even. We want them and everyone else to know what they've done to us and how they've hurt us. We want them to pay. And we know we're innocent, we didn't do anything to deserve it. See, that was the pre-Christ response. So what does the post-Christ response look like? What does it look like after Jesus? Well, the Christ response is, God, 
you have forgiven me, so I will forgive them. And Jesus taught this in his ministry here, and he spent time with his disciples. He was, he was teaching them how to pray. And in Matthew chapter 6, he says, here's how you pray. And, and one part of the prayer, there, these are the words that Jesus says, and we, we, he teaches us how to do this. It says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You see, Jesus blows right past eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. That's, he's not talking about that. He takes this to a whole new level. I'm going to forgive you because God has forgiven me. Forgiveness can fall into two categories. It's something that we receive, but forgiveness is, is something that we need to give. And I think the experience for most of us is we're really pretty good at receiving forgiveness. We're not real good all the time at dispensing forgiveness. So we're going to take a look at the scriptures today. We're going to try and figure out, okay, God, who do we have to forgive? And, and why do we have to forgive them? And how often do we have to forgive them? I mean, come on, God, you don't know what they've done to hurt me. The, the fact of the matter is God does know what they've done. I may not. Your best friend may not. God knows what they've done. See, what we're talking about today is huge. And, and, and it, it is something that requires all of our energy because the burning question this morning is, where would we be without forgiveness? And the answer is one word, hell. Without forgiveness, we are all lost, we're all doomed, there's no shot for any of us. So you have to understand that forgiveness is the central focus of the cross. Jesus is hanging there and he utters these words, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Jesus is teaching us how important it is and they weren't just words. He was setting the stage for his disciples and for you and me that forgiveness is where it starts and that forgiveness is central to the cross. So this morning, I want us to look at a, a story from the Gospels that kind of helps us to understand, really, Brett, I mean, why, why do I have to forgive? Because honestly, they don't deserve it. So this is a story that we're going to look at that Jesus tells to his disciples. Uh, it, it's a, a response that Jesus has to something that Peter asks Jesus. Poor Peter, you know, we, we get on Peter a lot in church. Uh, pastors forever, preachers have have you know, made fun of Peter and talked about what a, 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 a kind of a clumsy guy he was and how he didn't get it a lot of times. But honestly, Peter is us. Peter is really a lot like us. Peter struggled to understand things. Peter's faith got weak. He waged a constant battle with his feelings and his pride and his desires and his thoughts. Matthew 18, verse 21, it says this, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And as you read this, you wonder if Peter hasn't been through something, and it sounds like Peter's been offended by somebody, and if, as I look into it, it kind of sounds like maybe Peter has already done some forgiving. Like he's, you know, this thing has happened, and he, he feels good about himself. You know, I've forgiven this person, and maybe they've done something again, or maybe it's resurfaced. And now Peter's having to deal with it again. Maybe Peter has, has had to forgive somebody more than one time. So he, he kind of throws out this number seven. Now seven is the perfect biblical number, I understand that. But, but he throws that number out. And, and he's probably thinking to himself, you know, that's seven times. That's got to be adequate, right? I mean, if you forgive somebody seven times, that's got to let you off the hook after that. And you, you wonder what it is that Peter did that, that he's, or has happened to Peter that's got him so worked up. 
I mean, did he go to the camel store and he bought a bad camel? They sold him a camel with a bad leg, right? And he's, he's, you know, he's walking that camel back and he's like, that dude sold me a bum camel. I'm, I'm not going to forgive him. I mean, you, you just wonder what it is that Peter is going through. And he asked this question of Jesus and Jesus comes back and he says, no, Peter, not seven times. I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now, I just read that to you in the New International Version, which is a great version of the Bible, but I actually like the way the New American Standard Version uh, renders this better. I, I actually think the New American Standard is a more accurate translation of the Bible. Um, I preach out of the NIV because it reads a little better most of the time, um, and I'll mix it up occasionally too, but the New American Standard uh, translates the verse like this. It says, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to, but up to 70 times seven. Up to 70 times seven. And it's here that you can kind of just see Peter doing something that maybe you would be tempted to do or I would be tempted to do um, because I know me and I would probably start trying to do the math on that, right? Like 70 times seven, so that's like seven, just, no, seven, like um, uh, carry one. And, and by this point, Jesus has launched into the story, right? You know, it's like I'm trying to figure it out and Jesus has gone like three sentences on beyond that and I still haven't figured out what the number is. Um, I'm not really great at math. That's why I went to Bible college. They taught me Greek. They didn't teach me Bible or math. They taught me uh, Greek. Uh, but, but poor Peter's like, you know, he's back there trying to calculate the number. Jesus launches into this story. And here's what he says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. Now, this is a parable. This is a story that Jesus tells. This didn't actually happen in the Bible. This is a story Jesus uses to kind of make a point. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Verse 25, he couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and everything he owned to pay the debt. Now see, in those days, if you could not pay off your debt, it was legal for the person that you owed the money to to have you thrown into jail, you and your family, until you paid off the debt. Which makes you wonder, what in the world would that look like? What would that make our world look like today, right? If, if, if you got into debt you couldn't pay off and then you had to go to jail, whoo, would that be awful? Just a thought. Verse 26, but the man fell down before his master and begged him. All right, so I, I just need you to stop for a minute and I, I want you to get this scene in your head. I want you to imagine you're the man, get this in your consciousness Think about it. Put yourself in his shoes. Imagine the emotion and the passion as this man begs for his family and his life to be kept out of prison with this huge debt hanging over his head. Just think about the desperation of being condemned to slavery and you're trying to talk that person out of it. And he says, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Now, what a beautiful story. Here's this man. He's been forgiven this massive debt that he has incurred. And so let's just stop down for a minute and let's think about the characters in the story and who they represent. As you, as you look at the king or the master in the story, who does that represent? That represents God. And then as you look at the servant in the story, that, that, who does that represent? That represents us. We are the servant in the story. And there are some lessons that we need to learn from the story. The first lesson is this. The debtor can't always repay you. 
the debtor cannot always repay you. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Some scholars would put that figure at billions in our currency. And in verse 25, we learn that, that he couldn't pay. So, so often in life, the, the debtor cannot repay you. Now, we all have debts that we can't repay, right? We have a debt that we can't repay. And I'm not talking about your mortgage, and I'm not talking about you know, the, the garden weasel that you bought for $19.99, four easy installments, or the Snuggie that you bought. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our sin debt. That's a, that's a debt that we cannot repay. We have a sin debt. Jesus paid it for us. And, and sometimes in life, there are just things that the debtor cannot repay. Maybe the debtor in your life is somebody that you shared a confidence with and they took that and told it to somebody that you, you're really mad that they did that. Like they outed you in some way. They, they told somebody who's got a big mouth and they went and blabbed it all over. Listen, um, you told them something in private, now it's gone public. And, and a lot of people that had no business knowing, now everybody knows the debtor cannot repay that. That can never be fixed. That's, that, that should have stayed under wraps and it didn't. Now it's out. And, and, and it, it, you know, you, you just can't fix that. that. The debtor can't repay it. Maybe you argued with your spouse, and either you said something or she said something, but, but either way, it's out now. You, you can't take it back. It's like toothpaste out of the tube. You can't put it back in there. And, and now the offense has happened, and you can't rewind the clock, and it cannot be undone, and the offender cannot repay the one who has been offended. Your debtor can't always repay you but here's a truth that we need to learn today the offended can always show mercy the offended can always show mercy verse 27 then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt we have to show mercy an interesting aspect to our offenses is often the person who offends us doesn't even know it um, I've had people mad at me here over, over things that I didn't even realize I'd done, okay? Like, you ever had somebody mad at you for something you didn't even realize you'd done it, or they, they think something about you and it's not true, but they think it's true, and um, you, you, I've had people mad at me because I didn't say hello to them, all right? Now, you know me, and you know that if I see you, I'm generally going to smile and give you a hug and shake your hand and, and say hi, and I'm happy to see you, and, and if I ever don't say hi to you, one of two things is going on. Either I, I haven't seen you or something's going on in my mind that has me so distracted that you probably should track me down and say, Brett, are you okay? Because it's not like you. So if, if that ever happens, you know, there's, it's not just that I'm trying to be mean or hateful. That's not who I am. I don't intentionally not speak to other people, but I've had people mad at me over stuff that I didn't even know it. I've seen people, parents, uh, get mad at coaches. I've been one of them. I've been a parent mad at coaches because they didn't play my kid. And how's my kid ever going to make it to the NBA if they don't play my kid? Well, here's a hint for you. <laughs> He's probably not going to the NBA. Um, but I've been a coach, right? I've been mad at coaches even though I've been a coach and I know that there are times when I've got little kids sitting on a bench and I'm not... I mean, it's not like I'm trying to 
win some championship or something. I'm just trying to help have all these kids have a good time. And once in a while, it's hard to make sure that every kid plays the exact same amount. I think some parents sit on the sideline with a stopwatch. Like, you know, little Johnny got in the game. He's only been in 35 seconds. The other kid's been in the game 40 seconds. And we get mad at the coach. I mean, he, he doesn't know. Or maybe, ladies, you didn't get the invite to the shower. Or, you, you know, the Christmas card. You sent the Christmas card, but you didn't get a Christmas card. And it upset you, and now we're offended. And we have got to learn to show mercy to one another. Okay? We've just got to learn how to do this. Listen, one of the problems in our country right now as a nation, you know one of the real big problems we've got? We are way too easily offended. Way too easily offended. In fact, I'm reading a book right now called Unoffendable. Uh, Brant Hansen wrote this book. It's called Unoffendable. The basic premise, the way I would sum it up is, the closer you get to Jesus, the less offendable you should be. Right? Like if, when you know Jesus, it should be really hard to offend somebody who knows Jesus. We just, we are so sensitive. We got to let go of stuff. We got, you know, we got to be in the forgiveness business because we've been forgiven. Now, and I'm working on this. I'm reading this book and he's, you know, he's talking about these different scenarios and I'm like, man, this is, I mean, he is all over me right now. And I'm working on this. I mean, I'm really working on this. I, I've confessed to you before. I'll confess again. My, my real problem spot, and Dee, Dee can attest to this because she sees it often, is I get mad when I drive. Like, things come out of my mouth when I'm driving I would not want you to hear, not at all. Right? And, and somebody will do, now, when I'm driving and I do something stupid, I want forgiveness, right? Like, I've pulled out in front of people before, I didn't see them, and then they're laying on the horn, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, I wave real big, like, you know, I'm Brett, I'm a nice guy, I didn't mean that. But somehow when somebody pulls out in front of me, they're not a nice guy, they're a jerk, and they did it on purpose. And I can be driving along, and something like that happens, and I get all offended, and I'm ready to, you know, and I don't shake my fist up here, because for a couple reasons. One, I'm a preacher, and it doesn't look good. The second one is, if the person's really big, and they could beat me up, I don't want them to stop the car, get out, and come hammer me, right? So I shake my fist down here, like, son of a gun. And then I get my mat on, and I'm going to get up next to him, and I'm going to get up and pull up right next to him, and I'll give him the stink eye, right? <laughs> What's wrong with you? And then I get up there, and I look over, and it's somebody my mom's age driving the car. And I'm like, you can't be mad at mom. And then it's this whole conversation with God, like, God, why? I mean, why, why do I do that? I mean, look at her. She's so innocent. She's driving her car. She didn't mean to. God's like, yeah, don't you feel like a heel? I mean, Brett, calm down for crying out loud. Why you got to be like that? Just, Brett, you're so easily offended. Don't be so offendable. Got to learn to show mercy. Now, we read earlier about this forgiven servant, but that's really only half the story. There's a second half to the story that Jesus tells. There's actually a lot more to it. So let's look at the rest of the story. This servant has just been forgiven this tremendous debt. We're talking about millions of dollars. He's free, no debt. Can you imagine having your mortgage payment, like, forgiven? Wouldn't that be awesome? Or your, how about this one? How about, how about your kid's student loans? Sound good? Yeah, like, let God, please, let, let's let get those forgiven. This guy has had his debt forgiven, and he's a free man, no debt, no worries, nothing to worry about. And he comes across a servant who owes him, Jesus says in the story, owes him thousands of dollars. 
Not millions, like he's been forgiven, just thousands of dollars. And this guy starts demanding payment. And you hear that and you think, what? Yeah. Jesus, as he tells the story, says he puts his hand on his throat and he's getting ready to choke this guy out because he owes him this money. The man who's been forgiven millions of dollars of debt is going to choke the guy who's now owed thousands of dollars of debt. And when the king finds this out, that he's, you know, this guy that he's forgiven this huge debt, he finds out how he's responded to somebody else, he gets angry. Verse 32, then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And then Jesus follows it up with this sentence, which we don't like to hear, but he says, that's what my heavenly father will do if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. See, where'd that Jesus come from? I mean, I thought we followed mercy Jesus. I thought we followed forgive him Jesus. I thought we followed, you know, it's all good, I died on the cross, grace and mercy Jesus. I mean, where'd that Jesus come from? You see, here's what you have to understand about forgiveness. Unforgiveness puts you in a prison. Unforgiveness is like sipping on poison expecting somebody else to die. It doesn't work like that. So let's just talk about you and me for a minute. Are you in a prison? Some some of you, some of you are in a forgiveness prison. Some of you have come to me and we've talked about it and you've sustained some offense and you can't let it go and and you have this unforgiveness in your heart for so long, you've just kind of learned how to live with it. We talk about it and you're like, Brett, I just... It's not that easy. I, I know that. See, I think one of the problems is we're afraid that, that forgiveness is going to benefit the other person. That somehow, if I forgive them, they're going to benefit. No. See, what you've got to understand today is that forgiveness benefits you. Forgiveness sets you free. Forgiveness lets you out of the prison that you're in. When you, when you refuse to forgive, you may as well just open up the cell and walk in. Close the door. Like the, what was it? Otis and Andy Griffith show, right? Just walk in yourself. I mean, that's what we do to ourselves. It takes a tremendous amount of emotional capital to wake up every single day of your life and hate somebody else and and leave them in unforgiveness. It takes a tremendous amount out of your psyche and your emotions to wake up every day and pick up that rock that is unforgiveness that you carry around for that person. I've used that illustration before. In fact, I've even brought a huge rock out here and tried to carry it and walk and preach. And you know as well as I do, if you had to carry a rock around with you everywhere you went all the time, you would not be nearly as productive. But when you refuse to forgive people spiritually, that's what you're doing. You're carrying this rock that God never intended for you to carry, and he says, you're never going to be any good to me until you learn how to forgive people. And look, I get it. Some of the things that have happened to you are major things. They're huge deals. I would not discount what's happened to you. I wouldn't say it's not a big deal. So often, the offenses are just massive. And what do you do when there's this massive offense that just seems so big? What do we do when we say, Brett, you you just don't know my situation. You don't know how they've hurt me. You don't know what I've gone through. No, I don't. 
What do you do when the offense is so great that we just can't even picture ever forgiving somebody else? I've sat with some of you as you've told me your story, and I think, you know, you kind of walked in the room thinking, I'm going to tell Brett this story. He's going to look at me and say, no, you don't have to forgive them. If that's what they did, no, I'm never going to say that. I'm always going to call you to forgive. Same way Christ calls me to forgive. But some of you have been hurt by people you love. I've listened to you weep as you've recounted your story and and listened to you talk about this big offense. And you say, Brett, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've faced. You don't know what they did to me and how it's affected me. How do you forgive that person? Let me start by saying this. It's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, I'm not going to insult your intelligence and, and, and sit up here and tell you that, well, you just need, I mean, just forgive them. I mean, you just make up your mind, you're going to forgive them. I, listen, there is no easy formula for this. Sometimes the offense is so huge, it, it's not like you can just say, well, you know, I just, I just let it go. No. But I will tell you this. You have to start by seeing what Jesus went through for you and for me. You have to start by seeing Jesus on the cross. You start by by seeing Jesus whipped by a cat of nine tails. You start by seeing a crown of thorns thrust down on the head of your Savior who took that punishment for you and for me. You start by understanding that this is a man who was punched, blindfolded and punched, and they scoffed at him. Hey, you say you're the Son of God. Tell us which one of us hit you you got to see this stuff going on because he went through all that stuff to forgive you and me. And he's hanging there and he's carrying the sin. The Bible says he became sin on our behalf. He became the sin of every man who's ever succumbed to, to pornography. He became the sin of every woman who's ever given in to the temptation of another man's touch. He became the sin of every man and woman who ever gave themselves over to a bottle or to the pill. Every person who has ever lied or stolen or cheated, he became that sin. Every person who ever abused a little kid. He became the sin of every man who's ever hit a woman. He became that sin. And he hung on the cross and he died for every evil thing that has ever happened in the world he became sin and he did it he died for you and me because he loves us so much i get up here every sunday the message really is the same every sunday the words are different but the message is the same god loves you he's so crazy about you and he went to great lengths to buy you back out of your sin he is absolutely insanely over the top crazy about who you are he died for you But when you really stop to consider what Jesus went through on the cross, what you realize is Jesus' love is greater than any offense. In Matthew, we read this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And we don't want to hear this. But forgiveness is a choice. And so often we want to try to forget. We want to push our offenses down. We know we've done stuff we shouldn't have done. We know we've done stuff that needs to be forgiven. We don't want to think about that. We just push that down out of sight as far away as we can. But here's the challenge. You've got to remember 
You've got to remember so that you can take steps toward forgiveness because as Jesus hung on the cross, he prayed this prayer, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They don't know. And that step that we all need to take towards forgiving that person starts, are you ready for this? It starts with prayer. Now you may not be able to forgive them today. I understand that. I understand that the offense is so big, you're like, Brett, you don't even know what you're saying. You, you have no idea. You don't know my life. You don't know how I've been hurt. You don't know how I've carried this with me my whole life. I, I, I understand, okay? But, but by taking a step in prayer, it invites Jesus Christ, the king of the universe, into your heart. And when Jesus comes into your heart, some pretty incredible things can happen, and he can transform your heart. And he can change your life, and he can change your mind, and he can change your attitude towards somebody else. And he can bring you to a place where you're able to say, I know you think he can't, but he can't, where you're able to say, you don't owe me anything anymore. That's really what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is looking at that person and saying, you know what? You don't owe me anymore. You're free. And when you set them free, the amazing thing is you get set free. See, God can come in and he can turn your heart around and he can help you to forgive and you can be free from that prison once and for all. He's done that in my life. I know he can do that in your life, but the choice is yours and it starts with a choice to choose to accept forgiveness and it starts with prayer. See, when you're praying, you can't, try this, <laughs> try this. You can't hate somebody you're praying for. Can't do it. See, here's what I know about you. If you hate somebody, you're probably not praying for them. Because when you start praying for them, God comes in and he says, okay, if we're going to pray for them, you can't hate them. No, God, I want to hate them. No, then don't pray for them, all right? One or the other. If you start praying for the person that you hate, you're going to see the hate start to melt like an ice cube. It's just the way it happens. See, you can't. I know that. You can't. But God, through you, can. God can change your heart, can change your life by his love and his grace. Listen to me. Prayer may not always change the person you're praying for. But my experience is when I pray, God changes me. When I'm praying about something that's happened with me, when I'm praying about somebody who's hurt me, and God, go get them, and God, what generally happens is God starts to go to work on me. Forgiveness holds us in a prison. Unforgiveness holds us in a prison. Forgiveness sets us free. Now, just a couple of things and we'll close. First thing is this. For the person in the room this morning who has never been forgiven by Christ, you're a sinner. You know you're a sinner. You know you need to be forgiven. You don't need me to stand up here and tell you that. I, you know, I don't, I'm not a hellfire and brimstone kind of guy, so I don't get up here and rage on people like that. You don't need that. You already know you're a sinner. You don't need me to tell you that. You know you need to be forgiven. You don't need me to tell you that. What you need me to tell you is Christ went to a cross so that you could be forgiven. No guilt in life, no fear in death. That's why Christ went to the cross. And you need to make a decision to follow Jesus. And it's not about keeping a list of rules, and it's not about being a good boy or girl or being a teetotaler or any of that. What it's about is being forgiven. And forgiven people live their life differently. Forgiven people are forgiving people. Which leads me to the rest of us. We have received the gift of forgiveness from Jesus. How in the world do we have the audacity to look at someone else and say, no, I'm not going to forgive you? Now, some of you have been really offended. 
The offense is huge. I get that. I understand. You may not be able to do that today or even tomorrow, but here's what you can do. You can start praying for them, and secondly, you can work on being unoffendable in the future, and thirdly, here's, this is a biggie too, start with a little forgiveness. Start to get good at the little things that you can forgive. Get in the practice of forgiving things. Don't let that stuff stack up, and don't let a person stack up a bunch of offenses and, and you not forgive it. See, the more you hold back, the, the worse it gets. Just learn how to forgive. Start with the little stuff. And then one day you look up and you realize, you know what, I've gotten pretty good at this forgiveness thing. I'm going for the big one. And when you're able to forgive that big thing, you will be amazed at how, what, the, what load is lifted off of your life. Not off their life, off yours. So let's, let's be less offendable. It's what our country needs. Let's, let's have a little thicker skin. Let's understand that everybody's not out to get us. Everybody doesn't mean harm for us. They're, they're, you know, sometimes they weren't even thinking about you and it hit you and they don't even realize it hit you. Let's be more like Jesus. Let me pray over you. Father, you modeled this for us. Jesus modeled this for us. He, he went to the cross, goes through this horrific experience of, of the, the scourging and all the abuse and, and the, the, the cross itself. And, and, and you tell us that he became sin. I mean, I think as, as excruciating as the physical pain must have been, the spiritual pain of becoming sin for a man who was perfect, I just can't even imagine what that was like for him. Father, we are so thankful that your love for us drove him to a cross to take a punishment we deserve. But Father, the, the hard work that comes after that is how in the world do we receive that and not be willing to give that? And so Father, we want to be good disciples. We want to be people who follow you well. And it's not easy. And it means that we have to forgive people who have hurt us. And so Father, I pray that we would turn the key to the lock of the prison we're in because we have the capability to do that. Help us to take the straw out of our mouth of the poison we've been sipping on, hoping somebody else would die, and to just forgive. Because, Lord, we have been forgiven. We need you, Father. Every hour of every day, we need you. And I pray that you would come into our hearts this week to do the business that needs to be done, to forgive the people that we need to forgive. It's in Jesus' name we